you should really only be comparing yourself to one person. And that's you yesterday. If you're winning that comparison, you're winning the game of life. And you don't have to win it every single day. We all have ups and downs. But generally, if you are winning that comparison, more often than not, you're winning the game of life. On this episode of the Creator Community, we'll meet Mike Bjarnes a husband, scientist, and MBA with a passion for mentoring and coaching. We'll learn how a healthcare crisis in Mike's family caused him to take a step back and re-examine his own life and how he views success. We'll follow Mike's journey that led him to living the life he has defined rather than letting outside influences dictate to him. And how this passion brought him to his new book, Redefining Success, that provides a practical roadmap for all of us to find happiness. Check out the show. Welcome to the third season of the Creator Community. This is a podcast series from book publisher, New Degree Press, or NDP. I'm your host, John Saunders, founder of Forward Advisory Solutions. This show is designed to celebrate, elevate, and showcase many of the incredible authors that have published their books with NDP. This year, 2021, New Degree Press will cross over 1,000 published authors. In this show, we get to know the authors and their books, as well as give you a behind-the-scenes look at their journey. We'll find out what it takes to bring a book from an idea to being available wherever you buy books online. It's no easy task. Nothing worth it ever is. But with solid structure, coaching, and community, it's very much attainable. Today with me, Mike Bjarnes. Mike has worked in oncology, neuroscience, diagnostics, and is now an author of his new book, Redefining Success. He's dedicated his career to improving patient outcomes in the healthcare sector. All along the way, he's discovered a passion for mentorship and coaching, striving to help individuals define success for themselves and take tangible steps towards achieving a happier, more balanced, and fulfilling life. His new book, Redefining Success, seeks to further that passion. Mike's book will be out this December 2021, wherever you buy books online. Mike, welcome to the show. Hi, John. Thanks so much for having me. The pleasure is all mine. You know, before we dive into the book, let's talk a little bit more about your journey. You know, how does one go from healthcare executive to book author? How did that happen? Yeah, so it was quite the journey. So I was working my way up, just like we all do, trying to make it to the top of my industry. And all, all, all along the way, two things happened, one professionally and one personally. Um, professionally, I was, I was finding that I was working more and more and that a lot of my decisions in life were being grounded by what I needed for my career. And personally, what ended up happening was my father ended up getting ill and passing away after a two-year battle with cancer. And that's what I affectionately call an oh shit moment in my book, which really makes you stop, pause, reflect, and say, why am I doing the things that I'm doing? What do I actually care about in life? And how do I better align my life around those things that I care about? Life is short. It goes by in an instant. And so as I went along my healthcare professional journey, I realized that I needed to pause and redefine what success meant for me. And that's where this book came from. It started this author journey where I got to talk to all sorts of incredible people who went along a similar journey as me. And it culminated with this fantastic book. And yes, I still work in healthcare because I still want to improve patient outcomes. That's still a big passion of mine. It drives me every day. But I also want to help people 
find this balance, find this new definition of success for themselves as well. Defining success on your own rather than letting others define it for your career. That's a really interesting perspective. You know, was it through this the unfortunate circumstance with your father that you had this moment of awareness? Would you say, was there, was there a moment that really woke you up or where, where was that moment for you? So that was my personal wake-up call. And that's what got me into this journey of trying to understand what I cared about personally. And along the way, like I said, I started to talk with individuals first informally, just to understand their own personal journeys. And these were wonderfully accomplished individuals who also went through at some point in their lives, this pivotal moment in their lives where all of a sudden, despite all they accomplished, despite having what society deems as a success, whether that's you know a great job, having a home, a family, all of these wonderful components, they were just unhappy. They were unfulfilled. They didn't really understand why they were doing the things that they were doing. And so it struck me, I am not alone in my journey in wanting to understand myself and understand why I'm making the, the decisions that I'm making. And so that's where I started to formalize this process. I started to have formal interviews with individuals, document their wonderful stories and dive into the science because that's that's me, the nerd, the inner nerd in me wanted to know the science of all of this. And that's where this journey took me. And, and it's my book is a wonderful trifecta of my story, the other individual stories and the, interlo- the interlapping science. So as you have these thoughts and meeting these people and learning all these interesting stories, how did you come about finding the author program, the coaching program? So this was a little serendipitous. I won't lie. I was actually in this journey of mine. I decided to pursue my full-time MBA. And I actually had some of my classmates at the time going through this program because the founder is Eric Custer, and he's an adjunct professor at Georgetown where I was doing my MBA. And so my classmates told me all about this wonderful book program that actually stemmed out of an entrepreneurship class. Eric was tired of teaching a class and just having the students walk away with a grade. And he really wanted them to leave with something tangible. And I can tell you firsthand, going through this book writing journey is very entrepreneurial. A lot of the same principles and practices, you need discipline, you need passion, and ultimately you need to promote market, you name it it aligns perfectly. So this is this book writing process came out of that entrepreneurship class. It's since spun out into this Creator Institute and this wonderful program that he's created. But yeah, me discovering it, that was all serendipity and I can't be more thankful for it. Was it Carlo? For me, it was Austin Brower who I oh, talked to. Yeah. That is outstanding. And it's amazing how much this program has grown through referrals and awareness being created by others. So you had this story in your mind, you learned about this program, you dove in and, and here you are. And you wrote it while you were going to grad school, right? Yep. Right. Wrote the whole thing in about six months, my last semester of grad school. How the heck did you fit this thing into your life, Mike? <laughs> that took a lot of dedication and a lot of, uh, we'll say, support and patience from my wife's point of view. A lot of late nights. So you just got to cram it in, fit it in as is in a lot of my stories, when you find something that you're passionate about, you make time for it and you find a way to do it. So definitely took some late nights and there were days where I definitely questioned why the heck am I doing this thing? But I can tell you now being very close to the finish line, it was hundred percent worth it. It really, at least for me, and I think for many, it helps you understand how you spend your time during the course of a week, right? Because you've just got to be hyper-efficient to get something like this done as I went through my own book journey. And, and you certainly learned that. And 
you know, it's funny. Sometimes authors say to me when I work in the author coaching capacity, they say, I don't want my, my boss to know that I'm writing a book because they're going to think I'm sort of doing this indulgent thing. And my response back to them is, if I'm your manager, would I rather know that you're binge watching Netflix on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night, or actually sitting at home, like researching, writing, and learning, and growing? I mean, it's people don't think about it in that context, but when I share that, they kind of go, oh, that, that, yeah, that is kind of interesting. In fact, a recent story, one gentleman I had this very conversation with finally told the general manager for North America that he's writing a book. And before they got on a, a countrywide call that literally thousands of people were on, he said, your story is so inspiring to me. Would you please share it with the company? And this wow. was a guy who didn't want it. To, he was hiding it from his company because he didn't want them to know for these very reasons, you know, this indulgent thing. So redefining success, Mike, you know, what, what's it about? So the idea is very simple. So the idea is that if you try to live by anyone else's definition for success, and that, that includes societies, you never have someone say, well, this is what success means, right? But through watching TV as you grow up or just hearing stories, we all form this idea that success is something to do with money, power, and fame. Some combination of those three is typically what people think of if, if you had to picture who, who is successful, it is likely someone that falls into one of those three buckets. And I'm here to tell you that, that that's all well and good. That's not what's going to drive happiness. That's not what's going to drive fulfillment in the end. You know, we all have basic needs and yes, money is part of that. We all need to pay the bills, but there's a lot of science behind the fact that actually there's a certain amount of money where, you know, as you keep getting more of it, yeah, you, you will become happier and more fulfilled. And that's because you're actually fulfilling a lot of those basic needs that you have. But once you reach a thir certain threshold, and I'll tell you that threshold's a lot lower than you think, you actually plateau. And in fact, the science shows that after about, well, it's it's about $120,000 in the US for a single individual. So there's a lot of caveats to the study. But once you hit that level, making more money actually makes you less happy. And that baffled me. And so that's just one example of this money, power, fame equation, how it doesn't always work out. You, you know, we're in this culture of more and more and more. So what we really need to do is think about all of the facets of life in a more holistic approach and find that right balance for us. And then as we find that alignment, we can have better happiness, better fulfillment. And in the end, who doesn't want to have a happier and more fulfilling life? What a great way to put it, right? We so often associate success with what we see on TV or read about in the newspapers or see it in movies or what have you. And you're arguing that we need to find it from within and not let this sort of material world drive that for us. So you know, where do you think, where did this awareness come for you? How did this topic get on your radar screen? Is, is, you know, we talked a little bit about the situation with your father. Was there another moment where you really saw this and said, man, I've got to get this story out there? So I started thinking a lot about what was driving me in my early career. And it was to get to a corporate level position as fast as possible, no matter what. And as I started to look at the root cause as to why I was doing that, it was literally for two things, the optics of what it would look like to my friends and family to say, oh, I'm a C-suite executive. And the second is obviously the compensation package on the back end. But there's trade-offs to everything, right? And how, how much time will I be spending at home? Will I be able to take vacations? Will I be able to enjoy all of the fun things that I do? Will I be able to participate in the community? So I wasn't taking that holistic lens in my 20s. And I realized that 
as I started talking to people, that was the case across the board. So another great example is, so I worked in the career center at my, for my MBA. And as I talked to students about, as I, as I thought these about their next step in their career, everyone was very focused on salary. And as I started digging into why they were focused in these exorbitant numbers that they could potentially reach, most of them couldn't tell me why they actually wanted that. Most of them were not actually passionate about the job that they were actually pursuing. It was just, oh, it comes with a great price tag. And I said, well, well, yeah, but if you're working 100 hours a week, what's your hourly rate, right? And if you start asking these questions and you start reading these examples, which again, I highlight some of them in my book, it's if you're not really aligned with that profession and that's not what drives you, all that money's fine, but in the end, you're going to be miserable. And so what's the point? So it was really just this culmination. It started with this seed in myself and then just talking to all my peers and, and folks in different industries. And it was clear, we all, we all sometimes fall into this trap of not realizing why we're, we're aiming for a certain North Star. That is fascinating that you had this career sort of coaching perspective to have and get a chance to talk to all these people that are going through this, going to a, you know, a well-named school, and at the end of the day, chasing the almighty dollar. And why? Because that's what they thought they were supposed to do, I, I suppose. So as you think through some of those people and your own journey, you know, why do you think, and maybe there's a story you could share with us that you learned through interviews and whatnot about why is redefining success so important for us? Yeah, so I'll, I'll share uh, my one of my favorite stories. So he's someone that I've listened to forever. So I'm a big fantasy football guy. I've been playing for 15 years. Matthew Barry at ESPN. He's all over TV. He has podcasts. He's won an Emmy Award. He was actually in Avengers Endgame because of all of these massive connections he's made through fantasy football, right? This is a fake football game. <laughs> this man actually started in Hollywood. So he was a writer, producer, and a screenwriter. And he wrote, he wrote for Married with Children, The George Carlin Show, Crocodile Dundee 3. We're talking some big name things. He had this lavish lifestyle. And all of a sudden, one day, he realized he was massively depressed, super unhappy. He was married. He had this great job, this great house. He had no idea what was wrong. Countless hours of therapy later, he realized the one thing that was getting him out of bed that got him excited was writing for free a blog post on fake football, on fantasy football. <laughs> and so he decided, I'm going to write one more to de-risk this pivot. I'm going to write one more, one more script. And then I'm going to jump from my lavish lifestyle to literally working for $50 a week on fantasy football. And now you see where he is today. He literally credits all of his success, his fame, all these things that we said were the traditional definition of success. He credits his decision to chase happiness as the only reason why he is where he is today. And he is much happier and much more fulfilled in his lifestyle today than he ever was back in Hollywood. It sounds like maybe even making a few more dollars. Ironically. Yeah. So, and this is someone you interviewed personally for the book, right? That's right. That's incredible. How did you land an interview with him for your book? That's pretty amazing. So that one was a little miraculous. It was a cold email. It happened to not be football season. So he might've had a bit more time on his hands. <laughs> Strategic. But, yeah. yeah. But I just sent a, a nice email and he was very gracious with his time and, and shared his story with me, which was fantastic. So 
literally a cold email, reached out to this gentleman who's got all this fame and success and, and followers out there in social media. And he took the time to answer your email. Yeah. Baffling. I will say he credits that he credits the way that he composes himself to George Carlin, who I write about in the book that despite all this fame, George Carlin was one of the most gracious people he has ever met despite all this fame. And so uh, I, I think he's, he stepped into George Carlin's footsteps. Wow. So he's had a number of role models in, in his life, but really took the time to find his own journey and follow his own passion. And ironic, you know, the old saying, right? Find something you love to do and you'll never work a day in your life. And it sounds like he's uh, living his best life at this point. So given that, you know, what else did you learn about success? You know, how, how do you define it as you've gone through this research and work in, in your book? Yeah. So the basic take home message is, you know, I, I can't define success for you. You can't define success for me. What I can tell you, and this may be subjective, but I think we can all agree on, if happiness is not in your success equation, I'm not sure your definition for success is is all that good, right? I, I think in the end, you know, you, you can have all these accomplishments, you can have all the things in the world, but if you're not happy, I, I question why you're doing the things that you're doing, right? And, and that's why understanding your priorities, what drives you that getting that alignment is so crucial. So one, one key takeaway that I, that I learned about, so, you know, I'm, I'm all about happiness, right? No matter what you do, be happy. If you want to work a hundred hours a week and that makes you happy, go do it, right? More power to you. But what's crazy is in this happiness equation, scientists did a peer reviewed journal article where they looked at identical twins, both, both identical and fraternal. And what they found was that Genetics actually accounts for 50% of our happiness. And so to me, to me, I said, oh, well, crap, I can't do anything about that. But what's more fascinating to me is, okay, so the 50% we really can't do much about, that's, that's given to us when we're born. Of the other 50%, you have 40% that is mindsets. So that's just how we interact with the world on a, on a, base, on a daily basis. How do we express gratitude? How do we look at something and say, well, that's beautiful, right? Simple mindset things that we can do on a day-to-day -day basis. Everything else that we tend to focus all of our time on, we're talking about job, house, income, all of those things is that last 10%. So we spend the bulk of our time trying to become happier, trying to gain all these things and improve our circumstances. But in the end, our circumstances is only 10% of the pie. What we really should be focusing on is all of these great, which I highlight in the book, all of these great mindsets, ways that we can reframe the way we see the world. And there's simple exercises we can do to do that, which I, which I also highlight in the book. But that's 40%. That's where you're going to get the most bang for your buck and most outcome for your time. Interesting. The one part that we have the most control over, we sounds like we tend to focus the least amount of energy and time on. And your argument is let's focus in on that part we you know can control, control the controllables, if you will. So thinking about this, Mike, if I'm been out there working 10, 20, 30 years and I'm feeling sort of stuck and not that happy, you know, where do I begin with defining, redefining success for myself? Would you say? I mean, it's it's easy to say, oh, shift your mindset. Well, how do I do that? Yeah. So first I would say you're not alone because, you know, we're in this midst of this great resignation. So I think a lot of people are feeling that way right now. So the key, the first step is to identify your priorities, right? So I have a, a great framework to do so, but I, effectively you want to say, okay, what are the things that I care about? 
And as you start to list those out, you can create long-term, short-term goals. You can, you can create ideas for, you, you can get as granular as you want to be. And you want to match that up with, how do I spend my time? How do I spend my energy? How do I spend my resources? And I would bet you, if you're feeling like you're misaligned, it's because you've written out this fantastic priority list that you care about, which probably includes family and friends and travel and community and perhaps religion, or it could be a whole host of things. And you start looking at where do you spend your time, your resources, what, do, what stresses you, what, what are you using your mental capacity on? And my bet is you don't have alignment between those two functions. And so the first step is just identifying what you care about, identifying what your ideal is, and then you can start taking tangible steps. Also, often we want to just dive right in and start moving in a different direction. But without having a clear vision of where you want to go first, you could just be moving in the wrong direction. So small steps, incremental approach, begin with this list. I mean, I love that. When you see things on paper, it's a powerful exercise to actually write things down and see them in front of you. And I love this very practical example of here's what I want to get done. Here's what I want to prioritize in life. And here's what I'm doing. And I think that not only, uh, and when we're not aligning those two things, it takes energy to, to live in, to want one thing and spend our time doing another. It, it eats away at our, our, I think our physical and emotional energy. And that's a, a really powerful example and, and a great way to overcome it. You know, is there a story you could share another story from your book where you saw somebody go through this journey themselves and how they had that breakthrough. Yeah. So uh, it's a, actually a perfect example. So I, I interviewed this woman, her name's Terry McDougal. She actually went through the program as well, a fellow author. So she was working in the financial sector for 30 years and her goal, her North star, the entire time was, I want to be a chief marketing officer. She worked her tail off. We're talking promotion after promotion, more responsibility, you know, and with it came more pay and more response and, and more time in the office. But that was okay. That was her North Star. She was working all the way to it. Finally, about 20 years in, she's gotten her MBA. She's invested in herself. She's ready. She gets the call. She gets what she calls the white glove treatment. They fly her out first class. She's going to a big time national bank for a chief marketing officer role. She nails the interview. She gets the offer. And she literally, as soon as she gets the offer, she said she felt a visceral reaction. And she said, I don't effing want this. Imagine that 30 years working your tail off for this North star of chief marketing officer, you, it lands in your lap and that's your reaction. So she needed to hit the metaphorical pause button on life and say, well, my North star is gone. Now, everything I've been working towards is shattered. I need to stop climbing this corporate ladder. I need to figure out what I want. And so she took the time to do it. I give her a lot of credit. It's hard to do that, right? It's hard to give yourself the capacity to say, okay, it's okay not to want this anymore. And she did it. And so now she went through, she, she took about six months to a year. She started, she realized the thing that really got her going was coaching, mentoring. And so she became a professional coach. So she is an, an executive and a professional coach. She's loving life. She's crushing it. You see her everywhere on podcasts, left and right. So a lot of credit to her. And it's, it's that similar time frame that you just, you just asked the question about, you know, it's okay to have this pivot, this realization, even if you work 10, 20 years, that's sunk cost, right? You, that's time you've spent. Now you have, to you have to figure out your next steps. What's particularly interesting about that story for me is 
So many times when we make these big pivots in life, it's because something very unfortunate happened, an illness in someone in our family's life or our own or health scare, something like this. And in fact, for her, it was actually finding the success that she thought she wanted. Yep. And that was her pivot moment. That's really fascinating to, to look at it from that perspective. I don't know that I've heard one of those stories yet where that's where the moment was like, oh, crap, I got this job I really wanted. <laughs> and yeah. now I realize I don't want it uh, because I've been chasing someone else's model for success and I need to find it on my own. And now Terry, uh, host of a podcast as well, Marketing Mumbo, right? right? I've seen that out there before a few times. Great show. What a great story. You know, success is such a, an interesting thing. And I think for so many years we do, we let external sources define it for us. And this message is about, wait a second, you know, you've got to prioritize your own life and your own goals and your own wants and needs and, and build from there. You know, if you think about this journey for you, Mike, going through the book, writing it, the whole thing, like, have you found any ways that it's changed you and how you think about the world? 100%. I can tell you that I, I personally feel happier and better aligned now. And that's not to say I'm working any less. It's not to say that, you know, I'm not in healthcare anymore. Like I didn't have a massive pivot, right? I took some time. I reflected. That was important to me. But simple exercises that I highlight in part two of my book, I have implemented in my own life. Things like practicing gratitude. My wife and I have actually started a gratitude box. We have little slips of paper. We put things we're grateful for. We put it in this little box and every month and, and definitely at the end of the year, we review we, we, we read all of these wonderful things that happen because it's so easy to get caught up on the negativity, right? Other things like simply writing emails of, to, to coworkers, to friends, send, sending texts, connecting with individuals saying, you know, I appreciate you. Thank you for being in my life or congratulations on this wonderful accomplishment. And instead of seeing an accomplishment that someone else is doing and internalizing it saying, well, why am I not doing that? It's this, again, this mindset, this shift of, well, that's fantastic for them. That is an amazing accomplishment for them. It doesn't take away anything from what I'm doing. That's just their story. That's their path. And that's great. Another thing that I've actually really incorporated in my life is, is meditation. And I can tell you, being grounded in science, I'm telling you, I have a technical degree in biotech. And I thought meditation, that's for you know hippies. That's only for maybe <laughs> monks. You know, Not for me. There are peer-reviewed journal articles that I highlight in my book about literally the brain chemistry that comes from meditation, the positive impacts and benefits of meditation and mindfulness. So I incorporated it in my, into my life as well. So, so many aspects of my book I have incorporated firsthand. And I, I speak to that because otherwise it'd be a little bit of an imposter if I didn't do it myself, right? So yeah, this book, this book has radically changed me. It sounds like you were the first customer for your book. Is that what I'm hearing? That's right. That's right. I'm the <laughs> guinea pig. <laughs> I love all the practical examples. I really appreciate this idea of gratitude box, this collecting of gratitude. You know, anything from the gratitude box you'd like to share from us? What, what have you been grateful for lately, Mike? So we are undergoing a move. So super stressful. Every day is, is a disaster in terms of paperwork and movers and staging. And yeah, we were living at Box City for a bit. <laughs> Frankly, I literally wrote in, in on a slip of paper, just having my wife there with me every step of the way, right? Like something simple, like, you know, I've been with her now for 10 years. It's so easy to just forget that she's there with me, but to have a teammate, to have a partner that we just go step in step and we talk about things and yeah, we, we don't always agree, but that's, that's marriage, right? That's life. 
but simply just appreciating that she's in my life and we still love each other despite the stress. That That's one that, you know, I felt really fortunate to be able to write. Wow. That's really cool. I think, have you shown that one to her yet? Oh, we haven't opened that one yet. No. Oh, well, it's, <laughs> it's, it's spoiler, okay. spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll have us open it tonight. <laughs> uh, I love that. So I love this gratitude box idea. And I really appreciate this idea of meditation. Now, some people think about it as, oh, it's just, you know, staring off into space and, you know, wasting your time and this kind of thing. But there's actually, speaking, coming from the scientist here, there's actually science behind how it can make your brain actually operate in a better and more uh, positive capacity. I think that's just so important. And this idea of reaching out to people and just sharing some positivity, right? We do not live in a zero sum world, right? If somebody else gets something, it doesn't mean I lose out on it, right? So let's celebrate our wins and our families and our network and our colleagues instead of look at it as, oh, they have that now I'm behind or something like this, right? You know, any thoughts in your research on, on where that mindset has come from? Yeah, so it's it's pretty fascinating. Uh, apparently, there was a study done, I, I forget what year, it was early 2000s, I believe. 11% of all of our thoughts on a daily basis are comparative in nature. 11%. And I would argue it's getting worse. And so as I started digging deeper, the reason I argue it's getting worse is with technology, it's wonderful. I can reach out to, we're having a Zoom conversation. You're in one location, I'm in another, it's fantastic. But it also means constant updates on the, on the feeds, right? Constantly on seeing people on vacation, people accomplishing things, people you know, having decadent meals, people having kids, all these things start adding up. And like I said, if your mindset is great for them, I'm so happy for them, that's wonderful. But the science actually shows that after about 30 minutes, that's about the sweet spot. We often start turning internally and we often start to think, well, why don't I have that? Or should I be doing more? Should I be trying harder? And as soon as we start doing that, things turn negative very quickly. There's a lot of science about depression and the health ramifications are actually pretty staggering. So I, I would say, you know, we, we were already as a species, we like to compare ourselves to others. I think it drives us a little bit of comparison. We, it drives us to what we want, what we want to aspire to. But I think with, with all this technology being bombarded with what everyone else is doing all the time, I, I think it's actually getting worse and we need to be very mindful of when we see other posts, as soon as we start turning internal, I think it's time to put the phone away, start read a book, go outside and kind of clear your mind and, and start being appreciative of the things you do have because otherwise it, it can turn dark quick. 11% of our thoughts go to comparative. That's that's interesting. You know, a good friend of mine was one of the last to sort of hold out on their kid and getting them a, a phone, a smartphone, an iPhone or what have you. And you know, I think they waited until the, the child was 14 or 15, which was, you know, almost like a senior citizen at this point in terms of like when people get phones now, right? And they noticed an immediate change in his behavior and how he became incredibly more anxious about things. And as they sort of dug into it and had conversations with him about it, it was exactly what you're talking about. He was seeing, you know, everyone posts their sort of most fabulous life on there, right? And that's what he was seeing. And he was thinking, oh, why isn't my life more fabulous like this? And so they've had to work with him to sort of find ways to get away from it, if you will, in a, in a positive way. Yeah. If I, if I can share a story, there was actually a, a podcast host that talked about the fact that a picture is just a picture. So he, he has all sorts of followers, hundreds of thousands of followers. He shared a picture off a beautiful cliff, right? Of the ocean, just a wonderful scenery, literally got more likes than he's ever gotten on any other post. And on his podcast, he shared, 
that was a miserable experience for me. Yes, it was beautiful. It was cold. It was windy. There was like water coming up from the ocean. My wife and I wanted this lovely picnic. We couldn't do it. We were literally, we, we couldn't get out of there fast enough, but I post this picture and everyone's like, that's beautiful. I want to be there. And so the idea is a picture is just a picture, right? We don't know the backstory, right? And so when you see something online, just, just think there, there's potential trade-offs. There's more to the story than just what meets the eye. And he ended this, this podcast episode with a fantastic thought, which is you should really only be comparing yourself to one person. And that's a you yesterday. If you're winning that comparison, you're winning the game of life. And you don't have to win it every single day. We all have ups and downs. But generally, if you are winning that comparison, more often than not, you're winning the game of life. And that's it. What, what an ironic story. And think about how many times, right? Everyone puts their best selves out there on social media. And oftentimes is that image really aligned with what reality is, as you just explained in this great case, not always the case. And right. I, I think this is where this term is catfishing, right? Where people are putting themselves <laughs> out there as this sort of extraordinary image. And is, if you ever get to meet them, you find out maybe there's some holes in this story here that, that we need to learn more about. What a great story for this person to share in their podcast. Uh, Mike, have there been any sort of surprising, aside from getting maybe some good insider fantasy football tips, have there been any unexpected positives for you in this writing journey? Yeah. So for me, I didn't expect the outpouring of support that I received. And when I say support, I don't necessarily mean, you know, we had our crowdfunding to, to get this book published and launched. I've literally shared just little snippets of my research, little snippets and, and excerpts from my book. And I've had people who from all walks of life set up calls with me and literally break down in tears just about how impactful my silly little article was and how it really made them think and, and how they're going through this difficult time. And they so appreciate the work that I'm doing. And to have that kind of impact and that kind of you know, I called it support because, you know, anytime somebody reads something you put out there, I, I see that as support, right? You get the click. You, but honestly, for, for them to reach out, to have this moment of vulnerability with me, for them to open up. And some of these were after years of not talking. It just showed that, you know, what I'm doing matters. It, it showed that I'm making an impact. And even if it's only for one person or a handful of people, like, completely worth it to me. That that was completely unexpected. And, you know, I really appreciate those people for reaching out and, and I encourage others to do so if, if they're so inclined. So from the sheer act of this thought leadership you've built upon, this research, your own life experiences, interviewing all these people and putting these papers out, you've had people you haven't talked to in years reach out to say, holy cow, you really have an impact on me and how I've embraced and approached my own life. That is really, really cool. And what powerful feedback, you know, because as a, as a creator, which certainly book authors are, along with many other creators in the world, it's a pretty vulnerable moment for yourself, right? To create something, to put it out there and wonder, gosh, is anyone going to find this interesting or useful or fascinating? And what fantastic validation for you in that journey. How, how did that, I mean, how did that make you feel as you thought about some of these folks? Yeah. So again, I was in shock and frankly, humbled. I really thought no, nobody, if somebody clicked it, it was a pity click, right? <laughs> or maybe they would read it and say, oh, nice article. Just just humbled that, you know, I could have that kind of impact on someone with my writing and with my research. Um, it's It honestly, it powered me through because I shared some of these while I was still midway through 
through writing this book. And, you know, we all have some imposter syndrome and doubts as to, is anyone even going to care? Does any, why am I doing all this? Like I said, you're putting in all these hours and to have these people reach out that they don't know this, but, um, they, they really powered me forward. So yeah, I, I appreciate them. And now I, I'm making an effort to, to reach out make sure that they're doing okay. See how they're, they're moving forward and progressing. And, you know, it's just, it's just a wonderful way to connect. Uh, a validating moment to have people reach out. And as you're wondering if you've got something here, right. And they're telling you they're crying as they're reading these papers, you, you, this work you've put out about setting up your goals, understanding your goals, comparing that to what you're spending your time on and finding that disconnect. And that clearly you struck an error with helping people see that and what a clear and practical roadmap to get there. Mike, if there's a key message you'd like for the world from, from this book, what, what do you think that might be? The message for me is don't wait. So often, like we talked about, you wait for something external to go wrong. And that's what I waited for, right? My father getting ill, passing away. I had no control over that, but it affected me. And, you know, I've researched in my book that that's going to happen to all of us. Four to five times in our lives, we will go through a major disruptive event in our life and it will take us years to overcome. But we don't have to wait for that time to affect us, to actually take the time to realign our lives, make sure that we're living aligned with our true priorities. And when we're doing that, we're going to be in a much better position for when those unfortunate times do pop up, we'll be able to handle them. And in the meantime, we're going to reap all the rewards and the fruits of taking the time to redefine success for ourselves today. What a powerful message to think about taking a proactive approach to life. These, these challenges, these hurdles, these obstacles, they're going to come. They're out there. They're, this, it's just going to happen. And taking this more proactive approach to aligning ourselves with our passion and purpose is not only going to help us live better lives, but be better prepared when those challenging moments arrive. What a, what a great message to share with the world, Mike. Thank you for that. Yeah, no, thank you. What is next for Mike Bjarnes and Redefining Success? Yeah, so it's very excited. We'll be launching officially in a mid-December. So we'll, like you've already alluded to, the book will be available out for the world. I've already gotten a few speaking engagements lined up, which I'm very excited about to help promote and, and hopefully create an impact like I have for a few people already. And I encourage anyone that you know finds this podcast helpful or interesting, reach out. You can, you can reach out to me, michaelbjarnis.com. And, you know, let's, let's chat. There's, there's ways for you to get in contact. There's ways for you to read some of my articles and get book updates. So, you know, I've, I've just, I'm kind of on this roller coaster and riding the ride as best I can. And, and I'm really looking forward to what the future holds with this book. Sounds like a really powerful message and you're having an impact on people, which is so important in helping people live better lives. But what I really appreciated about it is it's, it sounds like a very practical roadmap, right? This isn't you know something that's impossible. It's something we can all put to work each and every day. You know, this book has had not only an impact on some of your readers out there, but a great bit of feedback here from a praise quote that you got for the book. I thought it would be nice to share here from Dr. Kenan Sheldon, a distinguished professor of psychology, psychological sciences at University of Missouri. This fun and easy to read book does a great job of conveying key positive psychological concepts and techniques without sacrificing scientific accuracy. Highly recommended for figuring out what really matters to you. Uh, what a fantastic quote from Dr. Sheldon there. How, how did it make you feel to get that one? 
again, just very humbled. I, I quote Dr. Sheldon's research in my book. He's done some fantastic work. So I, I, my book is standing on the shoulders of giants, right? I cite that my citations list is way too long. It, it's crazy, but honestly, it would not be possible without individuals like Dr. Sheldon, all the fantastic years of work they put into it. So to get that kind of praise from him really affirms that I've, I think I've struck that balance of easy to read, but scientifically sound and helpful. That is awesome. Standing on the shoulders of giants. Well, Mike, I would expect nothing less than hundreds of citations from a scientist like yourself and and doing the research on a book like this. Did we capture all the ways to, for people to connect with you out there if they want to learn more about your story? Yeah. So website has, has, is the best way, www.michaelbjarnes.com. I'm also on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, you name it, just Michael Bjarnes. You can find me pretty much everywhere. Uh, So look forward to connecting with, with anyone and everyone. Easy gentlemen to find great stories, a practical roadmap to, to find steps to move forward, to get out of our own way, to maybe get unstuck from where we feel we're living a life that isn't the one we want, but is maybe being defined by others and finding our path to redefining success and, and a better way forward. Mike, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me, John. This is fantastic. The, the pleasure is all mine. Redefining success, stories, science, and strategies to prioritize happiness and overcome life's oh moments will be available this December, 2021, wherever you buy books online. I'm your host of the creator community, John Saunders. Keep moving forward.